Hey podcast people, how's it going? Azrin the Language Nerd here. Hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Thursday evening or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azrin the Language Nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, LinkedIn, and of course on TikTok. My username on all these platforms is exactly the same. It is at Polyglot Azrin. That is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-L-O-T. AZ or Z, depending on your country, R-E-N. You can also simply search Azrin the Language Nerd on whatever your favorite social network is. So again, that is spelled A-Z or Z-R-E-N, the Language Nerd. And welcome to another podcast episode. I'm very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. I want to talk about a particular, I suppose you could say human characteristic that can really help us both within the whole scope of language learning as well as in various other aspects of life, which is the following concept. It is a concept of tension creates change. Tension creates change. Let me explain where this is coming from. When you look at when you look at different challenges that we overcome, when we look at the moments in time where we have changed our behavior, where we have done something to acquire a different skill, often it was because there was a certain level of tension. Think about children. Often children are misbehaving. The parents get angry. The parents scold them. The parents create punishments. The parents make it difficult for the child. And the child decides, wow, it's it causes tension. It causes real issues for me when I do XYZ behavior. Maybe I shouldn't do that behavior. Obviously, parents might also incorporate rewards to do good behavior, which therefore, you know, discourages kids towards going to um, negative things and encourages them to going towards positive things. When we think about language learning, I think about myself. Often the moments where I have really learned a language is when I went through an incredible, an, an incredible moment of tension, of uncomfortableness. I remember when I was in China, there were so many instances where I would go to restaurants and I couldn't order the food that I wanted to order. And that was such an uncomfortable feeling. It created a level of discord or tension within my body. And that tension therefore made me want to really force me in many ways to go and learn how to say different food things and food items in Mandarin so that I would be able to go into restaurants and at least order something that was acceptable, that was fine, instead of going in and being completely clueless and hopeless and helpless. So tension creates change. And I think this is this is something that we have to take advantage of as language learners and as human beings on this planet. The challenge around this is that none of us like tension. None of us like uncomfortableness. And we avoid it. We're an animal that prefers to be comfortable. And I believe that it is important for us to try our best to fight that urge and try our best as much as we can to put ourselves in difficult situations, in uncomfortable situations, and trying our best to overcome those situations. That's gonna help us in our respective languages, the languages that we are all learning. It'll help us all tremendously. And if we apply that to different elements of life, I think it helps us in our lives as well. I know myself, one of the areas of personal growth that I have seen over the past few years is when it comes to creating tension between people that I know. Sometimes when you're working with, and I should actually be a little bit more specific, sometimes when you're when you have a friendship, 
you have a relationship, you are working and you're teaching somebody, you are working with kids and you're teaching kids, sometimes there is a behavior that is bothering you. And instead of bringing it up and confronting it and addressing it head on, I was, you know, I still to this day really have a bad habit of not really addressing it and kind of pushing it down, not bringing it up, keeping it in, maybe even me adjusting my behavior, adjusting my um, behavior, yeah, that's the right word, adjusting my behavior to resolve that conflict and to change it in a way where I don't have that conflict anymore, instead of just saying it and bringing it up. And that's something that I've actually gotten a lot better at over the years. And I've seen some very positive, some very, very positive uh, results from it. Literally a moment ago, like maybe five minutes ago, I was teaching a child. Uh, I've been working with him for a little while now. And we were having some tension in the class. Like there were certain things that we needed to do in the class, but he was not wanting to do them. And it was so uncomfortable. I really wanted to be like, all right, let's compromise. Let's not do this. Let's do half of it. Let's finish. I really wanted to, but I knew in the moment that wasn't the right decision. And I had to hold the line because adversity is a good thing. Adversity is good. To create adversity for the child is going to be good for him in the long term. So no, like we, I held the line and it was super uncomfortable. It almost got to a point where I was like, hey man, if we don't finish this, like I'm just going to sit here until it's done. Like we're not going to leave. I'll tell your parents that we're not leaving until it's done. And he's like, and I think he felt that I was serious because I was serious. I would have moved my whole evening. If it took us six hours, I would have sat there for six hours. Like I would have sat there as long as it would have taken until that was done to, to make a point to be like, yeah, this has to happen. That tension is not something that's comfortable for any of us, right? But that tension is important. It's important to put ourselves as going in a language learning direction. It's important for us language learners to find situations and put ourselves in situations where we have that tension. We have that level of uncomfortableness. It'll lead to much faster language learning. It, it's just how humans are wired. It's a DNA thing. It's a animal thing. Like this is something that is inherent in the majority of the human animal. And we have to take advantage of our human DNA, our human biology. We have to take advantage of that fact. And it'll really help us learn a lot faster and, and see a lot of results. While we're on this topic um, of children, I, I also want to address a fascinating debate. And in fact, maybe it isn't even really a debate, but I think it should be a debate around, is it true that children learn fast, learn languages faster than adults? I made a poll about this on my Facebook page a few days ago, and the results were staggering. The results were a landslide, a complete landslide. Over 90% of people, and there were 78 votes, in fact, there might even be more votes by the time I'm recording this podcast. But last I checked, out of the 78 votes, 72 people said yes, children learn languages much faster than adults. And to be specific, I'm referring to foreign languages, not necessarily a mother tongue, not necessarily your first language. And this is a fascinating point in my perspective. While it's true that in, based on my experiences, based on, you know, talking to people who have real academic knowledge and research and background in this field, one in one element, this is true. Children will typically learn pronunciation and will get stronger pronunciation than the average adult. Meaning, if there's a six-year-old 
who is trying to learn Spanish, it's probably going to be a little bit easier for the six-year-old to pick up the pronunciation of Spanish than it would for 36-year-old Jim, right, who's been speaking English his whole life and today decided he wants to learn Spanish. This is, I, I think I can align with this belief. I've seen enough of that to be like, yeah, I think as a general whole, children will find it a little bit easier on the pronunciation side than adults will. But when it comes to other elements of, of language learning, I'm not so sure if children are actually better equipped. I'm not so sure that children actually do learn faster. I actually think it's a little bit of an illusion. I think we've been tricked. Let me explain. Most adults, when they think about children learning languages faster than the adults that they know, their friends, their family, themselves, etc. What they're typically thinking of an immigrant child, a child who moved here with his family for whatever reason, they didn't speak the language when they came, and now they're going to school and magically after six months or whatever, even three months or a year, however long, magically they're like amazing at English or amazing at the target language. Well, you have to realize that they're going to school. The child is going to school. When the child is going to school, they're immersed in the target language. Let's use English for this example so I stop saying target language. They are immersed in English. Their friends speak English. The teachers are speaking English. Nobody around them speak, speaks their language. The homework is in English. Everything is in English. And five days a week, full time, they're doing English, 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 English. Of course they're gonna learn faster than the average adult. They're immersed in the language. And not only are they immersed in the language, this is very, this is a different, this is very different than an adult who suddenly flies over to China to learn Mandarin or flies over to Spain to, to learn Spanish or flies over to England to learn English. This is a very different conversation because children, number one, they're, they, they're around lots of people that are their own age. The teacher forces them to participate in activities. Kids naturally just play lots of games together. When you go fly off to England or America, Canada to go learn English, like no one's forcing you to learn. No one's forcing you to talk with people your own age that are also native speakers. Like it's a completely different environment. So the children that are going to school, that the immigrant children going to school that do not speak, for example, English or whatever the target language is, they have this incredible advantage of a fantastic learning environment. They have that advantage. And so they're not only putting in way more time than every single adult who's out there learning languages, but they're all, they also happen to be in a, a really a phenomenal language learning environment. And therefore, they learn really fast. If adults were in that environment as well, adults would also learn extremely quickly. Extremely, extremely quickly. The other thing that we have to look at is that children are still learning their mother tongue. They're still learning their first language. They are still actually incredibly limited in their first language. If you take a seven-year-old and you talk to them a little bit too fast, or about a, a topic that is that a little bit that is a little bit more complex than what they're used to talking about, they're not going to understand you. Have you ever gone? Think about when you were a child and you went on a field trip. Maybe you went to a museum. Maybe you went to um, a farm. Maybe you went to wherever you went to on your field trips. Guaranteed, you've had people leading the field trip that are saying things and you're like, I don't understand what they're saying. I can definitely think back to field trips where people were saying things and I was not understanding. I was like, I don't know what the heck this person's saying. Like, you need to zone out and you stop listening because you're bored. It's ha it happens all the time. So many things that people say to children, they don't understand you. They kind of get it, they get a portion, but they don't understand. 
because they're English. They're still learning. They're still learning their their mother tongue. Not to mention, even with the words and the grammar and things they already know, they often make a lot of mistakes. They make themselves understood, but they make a lot of mistakes. Which means that, first of all, when they go and learn another language, you know the challenge becomes that they're already limited in their mother tongue, which therefore means they're going to be very limited in their target language. And to explain the concept of depression to a 12-year-old, they might not even fully understand what depression is. The concept of depression is beyond the development of their brain. So of course they're not going to be able to learn that word. They're limited by their brain development of their mother tongue and just their brain in general. So that's something we have to look at too. Not to mention, adults have, language, have, have learning strategies. They've had a lifetime of school, education, work, life experience, and they've learned how to learn. They know how their brain learns, and they can apply those strategies to learn other languages. Children don't have that experience to be able to do that. And so that is another factor that we have to consider. Granted, children do have the advantage of having less inhibitions as a general whole. Adults, we typically tend to get more in our heads. We get way more in our heads about language learning. We get way more nervous, things like that. So we might not try and make mistakes. We might, you know, we might psych ourselves out in many ways. So children do have that particular advantage. But as a general whole, when we kind of look at this whole debate, I'm actually more heavily inclined to think that the adult has the advantage for learning a foreign language. And the only reason, one of the only main reasons that children learn second languages faster is because they're immersed in it in school. They're immersed in that target language and therefore they learn it much faster. That's something that is an important point that I believe is missed. The last thing I'll say on this topic, and I think I might have time for one last little thing, but the last thing I want to say on this topic here is that um, children, how do I say this? Fluency for a child is very different than fluency for an adult. For an adult to be for an adult to claim, yes, I speak whatever language fluently, it means something different than a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, a two-year-old, a nine-year-old. An eight-year-old, an eight-year-old, even in their mother tongue, says nowhere near the amount of things that a adult would say, that a 38-year-old person would say. Eight-year-olds just have to function through their class. They have to be able to play games. They want to play tag. They want to, like, they don't have, they don't need, they don't really need a lot of English in order for them to be quote-unquote fluent. They don't need a lot. 38-year-old doesn't just want to talk about playing tag on the playground. The 38-year-old doesn't want to make grammar mistakes. The 38-year-old wants to talk about politics, wants to talk about dietary restrictions, wants to talk about their, oh, who knows, um, so many things. Right? There's so many things, healthcare, there's so many things that a 38-year-old or an adult in general would want to talk about that a 7-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 10-year-old wouldn't ever, ever, ever really want to talk about. And that means that fluency is very different. You can't look at a child and say, wow, wow, look how well they speak. Look how naturally it comes to them. It's not a fair comparison. It's just not fair, right? Um, it's like comparing apples and oranges in many ways. So that's kind of the topic I wanted to cover, the primary topic. Um, the final thing I'll wrap up, I'll wrap this podcast up on, uh, just a quick two, three minutes, maybe a little more, but um, I had a pretty tough day today. Um, I, there was like one point where I was not, like literally I was like, oh my God, this is really hard. I don't really want to talk about what was going on 
Um, it's kind of personal. It's not really something I want to just put out publicly. I'm okay. Nothing's really that wrong. But I was going through a specific situation that in my personal life where I was like, man, this is like, this is rough. Like, this is really hard, super duper difficult. And like, yeah, it, it was just a difficult moment. And I think all of us can relate to that. All of us have had those moments in our days and our lives where we're like, oh my God, like I don't see a light at the end of this particular tunnel. I just don't see it. We've all, we've all experienced that in certain ways. And I wanted to share a couple of quick thoughts on this. First of all, we have to understand that it's normal. We have to understand that it's normal. Every single one of us goes through many moments like this in our lives. That's un that's we have to understand that and you have to realize that whatever you're going through and this is what I tell myself these are literally thoughts that go through my mind that help me tremendously whatever you're going through whatever I'm going through looking myself in the mirror right now whatever anyone's going through billions maybe trill maybe a trillion I don't know let's say many billions of I don't even know what a trillion is I can't imagine that number but billions for sure Billions of people across history, across this, across this entire planet, have dealt with that particular that particular situation, and probably even something more complex. And they've solved it, they've resolved it, they've gotten through it, and they've gotten to the other side. And if billions, if billions, I want to stress billions. Do you realize how much a billion is? Do you realize what one billion is? That's a big number. I can't even picture a billion. I don't know what that means. Like, it's so much. It's like, a billion is like, if you like, a billion is literally like, if you went into a, into a, like a, I don't know, your favorite store of all time. Maybe it's a clothing store. Maybe you like food. Maybe you like chocolate. And a billion is like saying, okay, you see this store of candy? There's so much, you know, there's a whole candy store. And, 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 and you can eat every single candy you're almost like it's it's hard to imagine that there's so much candy and stuff you're like what the heck that's a billion right or like you, i'm trying to think of a better example like you go into a you go into a mall right you go into a mall and someone says okay you have like you can you can go pick up every single thing in the store and you have to take it home like imagine doing that imagine trying to take everything in the store home and the restocking like a billion is like infinite like it's so much a billion people have gone through that problem or something worse, which means that you can do it as well. Um, I think as well, contextualize, contextualizing time is something that helps me a lot when I'm going through difficult situations. What I mean by that is a hard situation is temporary. Just like good situations are temporary. Everything is temporary. Everything ebbs and flows. And most things ebb and flow in windows of minutes like you go through a really difficult situation for a few minutes maybe hours maybe days maybe a few weeks maybe a few months maybe a year maybe a few years maybe six years maybe eight years maybe ten years but even if something is difficult for eight years i think we have to contextualize that with how long we live if we live to the age of 70 60 80 90 100 eight years is a lot but it's also not a lot. It's also not. And it, incredibly difficult as it may be, we have to contextualize the fact that, you know, first of all, most challenges that we face that are really unbearable, 
most of the time they're not unbearable for years. They're unbearable. They're unbearable for like a day, a week, two weeks, two days, an hour, a few minutes. Like that's typically how it is. Like we just have to understand and conceptual, conceptual, con, conceptual. No, contextualize. There we go. Contextualize that. We just have to do that, and that contextualization of understanding that helps a lot because you know you're gonna make it out to the other side. And once you do, you're gonna be like, you're gonna forget. The human animal is really bad, and this is actually a strength. The human animal is really bad at remembering the past and remembering exactly how it felt. We're also really bad at understanding the future and how long we really have. We're really bad. The only thing we're really good at is understanding the present moment, which is why when things are really good, like yeah, we're all we all live in the present moment, which is a good and a bad thing. And you have to understand that once you've gotten through that situation. Within a reasonably short period of time, you're gonna be back on your feet. You're gonna be feeling. You're gonna forget about it, because time heals everything. Time makes everything go away. So these are kinds of thoughts that I have in my mind that help me get through different situations. I'm also someone. This won't work for everybody, but it definitely works for me.、Um, I like to look at things like betting, like like betting or gambling. I'm not a gambler, not at all. But I but I do like probability.、Um, probability is interesting for me. And I like to play probability math games with myself. I've been on this planet for 27 years. Every single challenge I've ever encountered, I have overcome 100% of them. And I think about it to myself. If there was another person, and and you just told me, hey, this person, for for the 27 years on this planet, they've faced lots of different types of challenges. They've overcome 100% of them. Would you now? First of all, question A. Question one: Would you bet on them overcoming the next challenge they face? I'd probably say yes. I'd be like, well, if they're at a hundred percent track record, like they're probably gonna do it. And B: If they don't get through a problem because it's a bigger problem they've ever faced, it's really challenging. Here's the thing: Their track record is already a hundred percent and zero, which means that having one loss is nothing. Having one loss is a nothing burger. It's like saying you got 99% on a test instead of 100%. It's a nothing burger. So at the end of the day, the one loss is nothing because you've had 100% 100% track record of success of working through problems. Now, some of you listening to this might be like, I don't have 100% track record, but I think a lot of you, if you were to think of it logically, if you're listening to this and you're alive, which obviously you are, hopefully you're not a dead person in the ground in a coffin listening to this, that'd be super weird. And if you are, fascinating. That's a really interesting scientific quandary. But anyway, <laughs> I, I digress.、Um, you know, if you're listening to this, odds are you've worked through most problems you've ever, you've ever faced, most likely. And if you haven't, and you just run away from them, maybe this is the time you turn around and, and start trying to face them. Maybe this is kind of that moment, right? Maybe this is the time you kind of look at that and go, "Huh, I've run from every single problem. Maybe I should start facing some of them so I can start to develop a good track record." So,、um, nothing else I really want to say in this podcast. I feel like it was a really good one. I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed recording it tremendously. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your attention as per always, and we will talk very very soon. Bye for now. See you.